It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. Ah, oh, yes, it is another installment of J.C. and Morgan. Good morning, uh, for those of you that are watching us live on various platforms from Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and if you like the video version, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Again, uh, we now do this at a regularly scheduled time each and every Monday morning around 930. And uh, obviously, we know a lot of you can't tune us in live during that time. But the good news is you have the rest of the week to do so as Many of you opt to do, and we appreciate that. You can also check out the website, jcandmorgan.com. Some fun stuff on there, including our mailbag feature, we get to hear from you. It is episode number 218, and we've got lots of stuff to talk about uh, once again. As we are, October's just about done. Uh, We are headed into November, which means the college football season, the regular season, as hard as it is to say this or think this, but we're close to the finish line. We're getting closer and closer. And the thing is, the good thing is, we have a lot of big games left. Um, honestly, there's a lot of teams that have kind of sleptwalked through their uh, their way through the first couple months of the season. Yes, I'm talking to you, Michigan. Um, and and we have a lot of teams that have had a tough game here or there, but then they weren't tested for like a month, and they're about to get tested again. So November, like it normally is in college football, truly is a separator. It is going to separate a lot of men from the boys and a lot of pretenders from contenders, especially in the 14 playoff format where you're either really, really good or you're really, really, really out of it and playing in some random uh, bowl game. We'll get to our uh, week in the SEC segment. We'll get to our boss segment who was the boss in college football top performers across the land and uh, as always we will get to the JC5 and with that being said I am Mike Morgan he is JC Sherbert of 24-7 Sports and he is rip-roaring ready to go wide awake sporting a visor we got the hat visor combo this morning I'm going Georgia Southern yeah that's right I said it and JC's going I don't know what that logo is. That's a Spencer Rattler golf logo. Oh, okay, sure it is. <laughs> yeah, Rattler's got uh, he's got the, all these, and it's really his NIL stuff. It's pretty pretty tight. It looks good, but this is his uh, his golf visor. I, I picked one up last summer and just seemed uh, uh, really honest to God. I looked at my hair, Mike, and was like, I need to put a visor on. And I yeah, grabbed the first, you and me both. The first thing I saw, and uh, it was it, and it's, it's looking tight today. So, yeah, uh, sort of, uh, you know, sort of happy, you know, about the about, about the look today. Well, while we're talking appearances, uh, those of you that have been tuning in this season know I pick a new stadium backdrop each and every episode that has something to do with something that happened over the weekend. And in lieu of the Jayhawks' mammoth win over Oklahoma. At home, at the one and only David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium, nicknamed the Booth, I chose Lawrence, Kansas, 
and the stadium uh, backdrop behind me right now. Uh, Riddle, little quick uh, intel. Memorial Stadium seats 47,000. They were locked and loaded, bringing the juice in the building uh, over Saturday. Uh, nicknamed the booth, dedicated as a memorial to Kansas students who died in World War One. This stadium was built in 1920, opened its doors in 21, which makes it the oldest stadium west of the Mississippi. How about that? Oldest stadium west of the Mississippi. And like every other stadium, they've had uh, renovations. They went to artificial turf, which nobody, I don't think, still plays on. Uh, they went to turf in 70, and then they went to the field turf, the Astro play or whatever you want to call it, in 2009. A lot of people don't like that either because you see a lot of non-contact injuries on that, and it kind of makes sure. There's no substituting grass. I don't care what the technology is. There's just no substitute for grass. Uh, but nevertheless, that is uh, that is the beautiful David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium. I've only been to Lawrence once, and that was to call a basketball game at the legendary uh, Allen Fieldhouse, which was a bucket list item for me, and, and still I'm so glad I got to do that. I've never called a game, football game at Kansas. I've never been to that stadium, but looked awfully nice on Saturday. They have been so bad through the years of Mike. I mean, it was – I passed the point of no return. Uh, and then you, you have the situation where Les Miles sort of got fired in, in the middle of the offseason. Um, and they go hire a guy from Buffalo, Lance Leopold. And, and there you go. Nobody thought two cents of that hire. And uh, he comes in because he's a winner. He's been a, these guys that have been winners the whole way up. And, uh, you know, and I, and I have Jamie Chadwell from Liberty. Uh, is the next guy on my radar. Who's going to have the guts to hire that guy? Because uh, that guy has won at a bunch of places on the lower level that had no business winning, including uh, Coastal and North Greenville and Delta State and wherever else he's 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 coached. Uh, but Lance Leopold's one of those guys, kind of like Brian Kelly, who uh, won at a small level and then worked his way up and got the Kansas job. And now people are talking about him coaching at Michigan State and – you know, uh, being a guy. And uh, I think if you can win at Kansas, you can you can win anywhere. Uh, and he got them right quickly. I mean, they they showed some signs of life. And you, you have to understand, it, it, this is a program that's been, since Mangino left, yeah, they went through, the, I guess, Turner Gill was after Mangino, and then he was awful. And then Charlie Weiss was a big experiment that failed. And then uh, I guess David Beatty came in there. He was a Texas high school coach. And then, they sort of went a little bit caged animal because Jeff Long, their athletic director, knew Les Miles. Uh, I don't know if people remember when Jeff Long was in Arkansas, he almost hired Les Miles away from LSU. So they, there was a long relationship there. Uh, the hat comes in. They they recruited pretty well. The recruiting had signs of life. But I thought Beattie recruited pretty well too. Uh, and then lo and behold, here comes this guy, Leopold, uh, who's won at every level that nobody, you know, wasn't even a household name. And, look, they just knocked off Oklahoma. I, I'll say this, just in fairness. Uh, you know, I, I think I mentioned it on the pod last week. I, I knew somebody that had kind of coached against Oklahoma recently. And they said they did not look like an SEC team. Uh, and this guy's coached in the SEC before. And, you know, kind of that kind of tipped me off. I think that's why in our uh, pod, our picks on the other show, I, I think I picked uh, – 
Kansas to pull the upset. I know I had them mm-hmm. straight up on my parlay card this weekend. So nice. that's just uh, Kansas is just one of those teams, man. If you don't show it, if you just if you have mistakes or you don't play your very very best, they can beat you on any given Saturday, and that's uh, that's kind of the nature of the Big Twelve these days. But hats off to Rock Chalk Jayhawk KU. Uh, it's been a long time since those Mangino years, man. I think that was 07 when they were ranked number two or three in the country yeah. under him, went to the Orange Bowl. They had that quarterback uh, who was like 5'10". Yeah, just great, you know. and Just a great college player. He had him rolling, but uh, – and then, then they fired him over some whatever, and then they paid for it for a long, long time. Boy, but, did they uh, ever. Good to see them uh, – good to see them back, man. Uh, that's, uh, that's probably the worst job in the Big 12 right now. Still, because job is different than programming team. There's there's team, that's this year. There's program, where you at big picture-wise. And then there's job, which is a completely different category. You know, the yeah. job is like you talk about all the time, path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. Do you have facilities? Do you have money? Now, now it's do you have NIL money? Uh, and and that, that can affect the status of your job. So I, right. I think – I think, uh, you know, it's good to be a Kansas Jayhawk right now. And this is on top of last year where they actually had a great start and hosted game day. Uh, you know, so Kansas football, it's it's back to – they're back in the high life again, Mike, as Steve Winwood would say. Yes. Um, and they're bringing a higher love to their fan base, as Steve would, would, Winwood would also say. <laughs> um, I think that's the first time we've referenced Steve Winwood not once but twice here on the show. You, you mentioned uh, Coach Leopold, and, and certainly he is going to be in high, high demand. Uh, that Michigan State job is going to have some really intriguing names that they're going to go after. I, I'll throw another name at you. I mean, Chris Kleiman over at Kansas State. I mean, look, look at what he's doing. Again, it's, uh, I mean, he's done a terrific job. And what was his claim to fame? Well, he won national championships, but he did it at North Dakota State. So the, very often these are the hires that just – it's not about winning the press conference. We've talked about this before. When your school makes a hire, it's not, we can give you countless examples of winning the press conference hires that turn out disastrous. Complete flops just don't work. And then there's hires like Leopold. There's hires like Chris Kleiman. Um, I'll give you another one. We're going to do a deep dive later today when um, we get into the boss. Uh, how about Jed Fish? How about the job he's done at Arizona? They knock off Oregon State, who looked like kind of a runaway freight train this year in the pack. And here's Jed Fish. And if you look at his background, uh, where he came from, what he did, how we got to, we just grinded and grinded and grinded and got to that point. Nobody was, uh, you know, doing cartwheels over that hire, but it turned out to be a, a really good hire right now. I mean, that's another guy that there's going to be people knocking down his door. Uh, I promise you. That's just uh, the, the nature of the beast in terms of coaches that very often nobody is talking about and when they get hired nobody celebrates the hire or gets excited about it and then you turn around and you watch and you see what they're doing and all of a sudden it's like oh yeah that was a good hire uh leopold was a good hire climbing was a good hire fish was a good hire and then some of the blockbuster names that you thought were good hires were quite frankly anything but um that is the 
That is the nature of the unpredictability, as I always like to say. You think your AD knows or doesn't know. At the end of the day, almost all of these hires are a complete crapshoot. They really are. Uh, There's just no such thing as a slam dunk hire or a home run hire. There's only a home run press conference hire. But then after that, you got to actually do the job, and it's a pretty tough job. So it is, yeah, it is. Um, and I'm back. I apologize, my No, that's all right. You know what? The, the beautiful thing about it is, you caught me in the middle of kind of a uh, a point that I wanted to get across, and Good. so the the time you spent away, I just I just went ahead and uh, waxed poetic on some unheralded uh, coaching hires that are paying off dividends. I talked about Leopold Kleiman. I talked about Coach Fish at Arizona, who, who knocks off Oregon State. I mean, who 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 made any big deal about that hire? And they Nobody. they lost to, they lost to Mississippi State earlier this year on the road, and you know they they've always kind of like under him they they've shown signs of life. You know, Rich Rod was there, and it kind of ended poorly. Uh, and then you know, Fish comes in was not a heralded hire, and. Uh, Hey, they're 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 making things happen. They beat Washington State on the road, forty-four to six. They took Southern Cal to double overtime, and now knocked off the Beavs. Uh, and and that's good, you know. That's good. Arizona, um, you know, is another one of those programs that in the past has had had its moments, just like everybody else in the current Pac-12. And you know, he's a he's a under the radar kind of guy. That and they've done pretty good in recruiting too, Mike. They've gotten some guys that you wouldn't think they would have gotten. So mm-hmm. hats off to that staff out in, the, out in Tucson. Uh, I hesitate to say, I don't think the Desert Swarm's coming back, but I think the Wildcats yeah. certainly uh, are out of the hole that they were in and are a pretty good Pac-12 football team. It's funny you mentioned the Desert Swarm. Like, if you're of a certain age, I don't know, if you're above 35, 40, you remember that infamous Sports Illustrated cover. It's the last and maybe the only time Arizona was ever on the cover of Sports Illustrated for football, and it said Desert Swarm, and it had, I mean, it's a catchy nickname, and they were supposed to be really good that year, and they kind of flopped. And since then, I mean, I can't remember the last time Arizona football has really been relevant. You know, I mean, really, you've got two programs, Arizona and Arizona State, that have been largely irrelevant for decades now. But Arizona State has a lot going for it, and I can't. I've been to Tucson. I haven't been to Tempe, so forgive me if if you're an Arizona fan and you're tuning in. First off, I'm I'm glad we like to expand our footprint, and uh, we could use a good Arizona fan or or listener out in the state of Arizona. But secondly, I I I, I get it when it comes to Arizona State. I don't know what Arizona particularly has, uh, but right now they've got a good coach who, by the way, never played high school football. Didn't play high school football, didn't play college football. He grew up in New Jersey. And his whole he went to Florida. I didn't know this, so I started reading up on him this weekend. He went to the University of Florida in 1998, got a degree in criminology. The only reason he went to Florida is because his dream was to one day work under Steve Spurrier. And he got a chance to to do some work under Steve, and then eventually got to do some work under Jim Harbaugh at Michigan had like a bunch of cups of coffee in the NFL with with teams like the Patriots and the Rams until he got the opportunity at Arizona. Um, Just a random path. Uh, But again, you know, I I love the story of the grinders. I I don't like the stories of nepotism. I don't like the stories of hiring a guy just because he's a big name. I don't like the stories of hiring a guy just because he's a former player, star player. 
I like these stories. These are stories I can really sink my teeth into, and people that are working their tails off for a living can appreciate that. Uh, so he is another guy. Um, so I took my deep dive early. There we go. Okay. Some of the stories, JC, before we dive into the JC5, you know, the, the, for me, it's another, like, Georgia is so far ahead. We're about to do, do away with divisions. And we'll see when Georgia and Tennessee lock up in Knoxville, if I'm wrong on this. But to me, Georgia is just so far ahead of anybody else in the East. And I know they got Missouri this week, and I think they're like an 18-point favorite in that game. Mm-hmm. And Missouri's having their best season in God knows how long. Um, they might have their best team in God knows how long. Better than the two that made it to Atlanta. Yes, I'm well aware they made it to Atlanta. I think this team might actually be better. That being Agreed. said, yeah, th- that being said, I don't think they give Georgia a game. And yeah. I don't think Tennessee is going to beat them. And so Georgia is just – it's a whole other level. And it, that, that game was a referendum on where is Florida for a lot of people. Um, this just in – Florida ain't there yet. It's not even – like, you watch that game and you saw the talent level. Of course, Billy Napier's taking a lot of crap, as you would expect. He's the coach on the losing end. He's responsible for bringing that program up and closing that gap. But the talent level between Georgia and Florida, it's just – it jumps out of your TV screen when you watch Georgia play a program like Florida. Um, so Georgia dominates again. Tennessee outlasts Kentucky. Oklahoma got stooped. By KU, I say that because that's the kind of game that Bob Stoops, quite frankly, lost a lot when he was at Oklahoma. When everybody thought Oklahoma was going to be playing for a title, they'd have that loss that you couldn't explain. Uh, Oregon is damn, damn good. I mean, we 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 might have like we might have pushed Oregon aside way too early because they lost a nail biter with a couple of questionable decisions by their head coach to to Washington. Uh, and then there's. There, there's like the inexcusable losses that Mac Brown just continually racks up. Love Mac Brown, but man, oh man, Georgia Tech back to back wins. Excuse me, back to back losses to Virginia and Georgia Tech. And Yo, nope. I'm sorry, this, what? This is Georgia Tech. I think this is Tech's third straight win over him too. Uh, yeah, I mean, just had it. Well, last year they just they couldn't do anything offensively. This year, if you look at these two losses, Drake May has been outstanding. Like, yeah. but, but they're playing no defense, so they're back to soft again on D. Um, you just can't lose those games if you're Mac Brown. So UNC is UNC. Uh, nobody's talking about Deion Sanders anymore because they're losing. So that phenomenon has kind of trailed off. Uh, but they're 4-4, four and 1-4 four, and four in the league. And if you look at the rest of their schedule, they might not win another game. They certainly might not make a bowl game. Uh, and then Clemson, I I don't know where Clemson is headed. Uh, they're four and four, JC. I, it just it, it it looks like this could be to go from two national titles to being almost a lock for the fourteen playoff every year to where they are now. Uh, if you're a Clemson fan, you got to really be concerned that that level that where you were at. It, it wasn't that long ago, but it seems like 100, 100 years ago the way they are right now. So those are just some of the things that stood out to me, and I know we'll tackle many of those in the incomparable, insatiable JC5. Absolutely. I mean, you know, North Care, I don't know what is up with losing to Georgia Tech if you're Matt Brown. 
the Virginia loss was bad enough, but to follow it up with that kind of game. Uh, I do want to say this. Hats off to Brent Key. Uh, yeah. They, they're teetering on bowl eligibility, I guess. I mean, that's just not something we've talked about, which even with the loss to Bowling Green, which was very tough. Uh, he's They've kind of stayed the course. And now, I mean, they got a win at Miami and a win over North Carolina. I mean, shoot, you know, that's, that's a pretty good year to head it, to turn it in the right direction uh, in Atlanta, um, which I think the ACC is good. It's better off when Georgia Tech's good. I, I think uh, in that league, they're one of the programs that does have some history. I mean, despite their obvious challenges that they face uh, because of their academics and location and all that, uh, they've been good in that league. So I, I think that's a, that's a key. That's a, I mean, that's a key, a key program for that league. But man, if, if, if you're Louisville now, you're fired up because you beat Duke. Uh, you got the one bugaboo at Pitt, but man, you've got a nice path. Uh, I think you got to go beat Miami, but you got a nice path to, to get to Charlotte um, right now. But uh, it's just, it's just one of those things, man. It's just North Carolina. Just, I, don't, I don't know what's happened uh, over there. It's like when, it's like when Tez Walker got there and he started lighting it up. I think maybe the defense just said, well, we don't have to play defense because we're scoring. <laughs> and yeah, well, you still got to play defense, buddy. Yeah, and they and they haven't done it. Um, again, they're they're putting up yards and points, but there's no resistance there. And so they've they've played their way out of just about everything that we were talking about with the Tar Heels just a just a couple weeks ago. And by the way, since you mentioned them. I mean, Brent Key is a classic case of another. He doesn't get that job if he's not an alum, right? He doesn't get that job if he didn't play there. Uh, I can tell you living in Atlanta, there were talk. There was talk of a half a dozen other names ahead of Brent Key. And all of a sudden, he looks like clearly the right guy. Now, they're, they're still Georgia Tech, and they're still going to have a Bowling Green-type loss. And, and I... I, I don't know if Georgia Tech is ever going to be the level of, you know, it wasn't that long ago they shared a national title. I just – I don't see that happening anytime soon. But at least Key's got them competing and, and playing well and springing some upsets here and there. Um, but another hire, another, you know, non-huge name that clearly has done some good things. All right, do you want to take a dip into the JC5 pool? Are we ready? Let's do it. Once again, the morale of a great nation – relies heavily on the next five topics that J.C. comes up with out of that dome each and every Monday morning. J.C., take it away. All right, starting with the Clemson Tigers, like you briefly mentioned. Clemson's in peril. Uh, is change coming? I I think if you talk to Clemson folks, and I know a, a mess of them, obviously, and some of them are my good friends, they want to see they, – they want a hard reset, and, and that's either with or without Dabo. <laughs> you know, they're there and they they prefer that it be with Dabo. Obviously, they're not mm. psycho and wanting him gone. You know, I mean, because they know, you know, they know what he's done and what he's accomplished. But you know, you can point to a lot of things uh, that, that with their shortcomings, and in a lot of it's personnel, a, a lot of it's guys that you know, you know, where are the great receivers they had? Okay. Uh, they have good running backs. I, and Shipley, of course, going out on Saturday was huge. Cause that's, I think that's their best offensive player. Uh, Moffa's solid, you know, uh, Cade Kublinick. I, I, I saw some absolute propaganda out there that talking about how Dabo Sweeney's wasting Cade Kublinick. I just, I don't think Cade, I've never thought Cade Kublinick was a five-star player. Uh, and I knew, I thought that going in, 
Uh, I thought he probably needed to replace DJ last year because DJ was struggling. But uh, we see DJ playing pretty well at Florida State now. Uh, it's easy to pile on, but, you know, let's not let recruiting rankings sit here and, and cause coaches to, to get criticism. I mean, Kate Kublik's not a guy that – I mean, I don't sit there and go, my God, he's so talented. You know, why don't – why aren't they better? Now, could they be better at receiver and across the board? Absolutely. And, and so you look at that, Mike, and we're in the transfer portal era, and they – they they've resisted it. I mean, it's obvious they don't take they don't go after guys, uh, and they should have while their program was still relatively hot. Um, and it's cost them because their receivers they've had some misses in recruiting, like every program does, and so that causes individual positions to be deficient. And then you can't run your offense, you know, because you can't get guys up. Clubnick. Okay, sorry, Craig Clubnick. I, I appreciate the correction. Um, <laughs> I've been mispronouncing names all year and it's just it's embarrassing but uh anyway club i mean i say so I, I don't i don't know uh if i were a clemson person uh would a hard reset be something i would get behind absolutely and i'm talking cleaning house assistant coaches new plans uh whatever you know if you want to keep garrett riley fine uh, if not fine uh a new plan to hit the portal nil all of the everything that all the modern schools do but, but sometimes when you do that and, and your head coach is not aligned with it, regardless, maybe he goes along with it to try to save face, I, I, I still don't know how that's going to work. So my question to you is, is Clemson in need of a hard reset? Uh, they have four games left, though, Notre Dame, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, and at South Carolina. If they went all four of those, they got their momentum back. And, and I, I think Notre Dame is going to be tough. I think UNC's got problems. Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech, South Carolina, obviously, that's probably those are winnable. Uh, so we may not. This may be a moot point, but right now, mm. I mean, losing to that NC State team up there, I mean, that's that's not something. I mean, I I, I know NC State's a tough place to play. Hats off to Dave Dorn, who oh, hates boy. Steve, who hates Steve Smith. Apparently, oh, uh, good lord, uh, he just. I, I do respect that. He told it like it was. You know that wasn't. I will say this though, for those that don't know, so so Steve Smith was on College Football Game Day for ESPN. He's a Utah uh, alum, and and he when he was predicting the game, he said NC State. All they care about right now is basketball. So so Doran comes back and says, uh, "You can kiss my, you know what?" Except he said the word. And so I guess we care more about than just basketball right here at NC State. We're not just a basketball school. Words to those effect. Let me tell you this. As five years, I went to Spartanburg, South Carolina every year to cover the Panthers in in uh, anticipation of calling their preseason games. Steve Smith was on those teams for five years. I got to know Steve as much as you get to know Steve, and he was always kind to me. But I'm going to tell you what. There's a switch there, and it's a quick one. I would not want to piss that man off because mm-hmm. Steve will hunt you down, and he will give you a beatdown. <laughs> I was like, man, I mean, he is a pit bull now. Do do be careful because there's only so much security you can hire 24 hours a day. I mean, you know, Dorn was always like, he wants to come talk to me about it. Fine, but don't talk, you know, don't talk. He said the S word. Yeah. I'm like, man, you know, that's a Dave Dorn. So hats off to Dave Dorn uh, for doing that. I mean, it's not whining like a laptop by the laptop like he normally does. And, all that and NC State's not a basketball school. Steve was wrong about that. It's not. They get they get behind football. They have a tough environment. Absolutely. 
But man, they're one man, of those. I mean, they're they're one of those where you scratch your head and say, "Why can't they get over the hump in football?" Because you go eight. to their stadium and they got facilities and they got money and they, but they just don't get over the hump. Seven, eight wins a year, but uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, I, I didn't think that was funny. But Clemson, you know, hard reset or no? What do you What do you think? I, you know, I, there, there's a lot of thoughts going through this. Um, and first off, I'll take that bet that they're they're not going four and zero. This team's not equipped to win those four games back to back to back to back. Um, so when you look at how it's gotten to this point. I keep hearing the portal, the portal, the portal, the portal, and I get it. it. The portal is certainly a factor, but it's more than just that. I really think the biggest factor is that they've lost a lot of key coaches on that staff, and they had they were a unicorn in that kind of like the old days when Joe Paul kept his staff and Bobby Bowden kept his staff for years and years and years. Nowadays, it's almost impossible to do that, right? I mean, if you're a Garrett Riley, you have one breakout year at TCU and everybody wants you and Clemson winds up getting you. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe Garrett Riley's not so smart. Um, the defense is not nearly as dominating and, and intimidating as it was. I mean, they were, a, they were a force and Dabo never had to spend two seconds worried about it when you had Brent Venables as your defensive coordinator. I'm not saying the portal isn't a factor. It's certainly a factor. Dabo has dug in, and he's been stubborn to to his own peril. Um, but I don't know if he just starts getting players out of the portal, if that overcomes some other stuff. And look, some would look at it, JC, and say Clemson kind of did this. It, 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 there was a lot of smoke and mirrors. Because while Clemson has always had great fan base, you know, facilities and money and, and the rock and you know, all the – that, as we know, and we can name another dozen programs out there, all that stuff, that periphery stuff, doesn't guarantee you great success. And going back to Tommy West and Tommy Bowden and uh, who was the coach from Rice, Ken Hatfield, it didn't guarantee Clemson any success. I mean, they still had all those things in their back in their backyard, and they didn't win a lot of games. They certainly didn't play for championships of any kind, right? So maybe this is a classic case of Clemson coming back down to earth. You know, maybe if Dabo left tomorrow, let's just say hypothetically for an NFL job, I never thought Dabo was was going to leave for like Alabama or something like that, although now things might be changing. <laughs> I always thought the biggest threat to lose Dabo was, was an NFL gig because some of these guys, the, their egos and their curiosity just can't – they can't help themselves. they got to give it a shot at the next level. But if you if, – if Dabo's gone next year and you bring in you know, the hot – whatever the hot coach is – don't be surprised if, like, you're not going back to college football playoffs regularly. And don't be surprised if you're not getting generational quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence um, that are not even in your home state of South Carolina. Uh, and, and don't be surprised if, you know, you're not getting defensive linemen to come back for their senior year, even though they're projected to be first-round draft picks after <laughs> their junior. Like, a lot of things happen that just are not supposed to happen that went right for Clemson during that stretch. But how many times have we talked about this, JC? It's a hell of a lot easier to fall from grace than it is to climb that mountain and get there. Mm -hmm. So if programs like Texas, Florida, Florida State, Notre Dame, Southern Cal can all fall from that mountaintop, why in the world would you think Clemson's any different? 
I, I don't think it's just the portal is going to fix this. I, I think that that you had an, a tremendous stretch that was the high watermark for Clemson football that might not be attainable again anytime soon. Just a thought. You know, I think I think the good, good news for them, um, they're still, I mean, you know, for now. Um, your, uh, your connection I there think is a little that, shaky, you know, J.C. You, you, you were you were breaking you up. Now? Go ahead. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, restart that thought. I, 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 yeah. yeah. Sure. Sorry about that. Good news is they're still in the ACC. Uh, it's still not a great league, top to bottom. Uh, I don't know what adding those other three schools is going to do. But uh, you know, so, so the, there's a path of least resistance there. Which, which I think, if something did happen to Dabo, it would be a very attractive job to a lot of coaches across sure. the country. Um, you know, I, I think that it's at that because you look at it and you go, "Well, man, I don't have to play." Uh, if I like, like say you're Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, <laughs> I don't, I don't have to play all these teams if I go to Clemson. And there's eighty thousand in the stands and money and a tradition and championships, and stuff in the trophy case and. There's a lake, and it's it's nice. I mean, coaches love that job. Coaches, it's a great job. But uh, you know, you may be right because if you look at the history of Clemson football, and you have to also look, Dabo didn't build that thing overnight, man. He 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 had good years in 11, 12, 13, 14. Three of those he was losing to Steve Spurrier and Jimbo Fisher every year. That's right. Uh, and then fifteen was the breakthrough, and that set up the next five. And you know, the recruiting backed it up. And and I don't think. I think a lot of schools that recruit in the top five go through this sometimes. People wonder why Southern Cal, Florida State, you know, have their down years. It's because they just have misses in recruiting. Not everybody's Alabama or Georgia, you know, where you're not only recruiting in the top five, your hit rate is so high. You're getting great players. Um, so we're on to the second one. This is this is like my Aerosmith team because they're living on the edge. Uh, by the way, speaking of Aerosmith, you ever notice how – you never run into like an Aerosmith fan. Like you run into fans of Aerosmith, but there's nobody that's like, yeah, what's your favorite band, dude? And you're like Aerosmith. Right. They're not like the and, Rolling Stones or something. Uh, and you know, you have posters. It's like by far my favorite. There's like everybody's second favorite band. I just noticed that. I just thought about that yeah. today. I was like, they're popular, but, but, but I've never met someone that's like, what's your favorite band? By far, it's Aerosmith. Yeah. No, not quite enough in that elite way. <laughs> nobody they're, says it. So They're a tier two. All right, so these guys are – so the reason I call it an Aerosmith team is they're living on the edge. Blah, ha, 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 ha. I got it. Uh, the Washington Huskies. Man, you go from beating Oregon, who you pointed out is pretty damn good, uh, and, you know, now you, you almost lost to Arizona State, and people kind of forgive that. But then, man, Stanford uh, gave you – I mean, Stanford could have won that ball game. Stanford's not very good, I think we all know. Good coach. What what is up with the Huskies? Yeah, what is that? Yeah, it's 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 almost like they beat Oregon and then they got bored. Uh, they they beat Oregon and they figured, well, if we just slay the dragon, who else do we have to to really worry about at this point? I told I told you a couple weeks ago about that cat at Stanford after they uh, came back from a what was a twenty nine to nothing deficit against Colorado at the half. And wind up winning the game. I mean, their coach was a head coach at Sioux Falls uh, before he got that job. And Stanford has no business competing with any of these teams. I mean, if there's no talent there in Palo Alto, uh, he got he inherited a you know what burger from his predecessor. And all of a sudden, I, I get it. They're two and six, but they're competing and they're winning games. 
and staying close to teams they really have no business doing. Now, Penix did his normal thing. He threw for 369. He had four touchdowns. Uh, but Stanford rolls up 33 points. And if you're Washington, it's like the, you. this is the year. Like the, it's almost – it's almost as if the pack is a sympathetic figure uh, that people want to see the pack have some type of success this year because we all know it's I mean they're they're now saying it's going to be a two team league next year which is kind of embarrassing <clears throat> with Washington State and Oregon State but for the most part you know they have they have become the media darlings this year uh but you you beat Stanford by 9 you beat Arizona State 15 to 7. They didn't score an offensive touchdown in that game by the way. 15 to 7. So, I, look, I'm still high on Washington overall. Do I think they're the class of Georgia and Michigan and Ohio State? No, I do not. I do not. And I'm not even sure if we if if Washington played Oregon 5 times on a neutral field, I'd actually give Oregon the edge. Cuz I think there's a better defense uh that the Ducks pose than than what the Huskies pose, but they still control their destiny. Like if if you went out, man, you're you're in. You're in that playoff. You need to get it done. No question about that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Seattle. I just, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Tough times there. Got to get it done. Uh, I still think there. I mean, you know, it, it is weird because sometimes teams will have. Like, at least they didn't have a bad game on both sides of the ball at the same time. You know, Arizona State, it was offense. You know, last week it was defense. So, you're like, I don't know. Maybe it's just – maybe it's like a rotating off week. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, they really – they're living dangerously right now, and, and you, you kind of worry about them uh, a bit. All right, the good loss club, I rarely do this because I believe there's winners and losers. Uh, I'm not a trophy participation guy. But I do want to give a, a, a good loss club shout-out to Rice for taking Tulane – to the edge and beyond this week. Rice is four and four this year. Now, you want to talk about a bad job. <laughs> that is a terrible job. Awful. And you've got JT Daniels out there with his, on his fourth school. <laughs> and uh, look, they're making some things happen. So I, I wanted to say that sometimes a, a loss is a good loss. Two lanes really good in the American. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that, they're still, they haven't really missed a beat off last year. And, you know they've they've struggled with injuries early, but they I think they're seven and one, eight and one, something like that. Uh, Rice goes down thirty to twenty eight, but hats off to the Owls, man, for fighting the good fight uh, and 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 for uh, having you know one of their better teams. <laughs> I think they had the win over Houston earlier this year, so I'm going to put Rice in the good loss club this week. Uh- by the way, their coach is Mike Bloomgren, and I'm not prepared to do a deep dive on Mike Bloomgren because I know nothing about him, and we just don't have enough time budgeted for for he, Rice football. He actually came from Stanford. He was on uh, okay. What's his name? Uh, Dar- uh, Shaw staff. Okay, well, there you go. Um, <laughs> and you're absolutely right. <laughs> I've been out there. This was back in the CSS days. When we had uh, uh, the Conference USA package, because nobody else wanted it, quite frankly. And um, so every now and then, you know, me and uh, Chuck Oliver of 680 The Fan started him. We'd go out there and do a college football telecast at Rice Stadium. And you go there and you're like, this actually hosted a Super Bowl. They hosted Super Bowl, somebody can look it up for me, like eight or something. I think the Vikings were in it. One of uh, the Tarkenton losses. 
and you're like, wow, this is decrepit and old, and they have to put like the big – this is the worst. It's got to be the worst morale for any program, whether it's football or basketball. When they have to take all the seats and put like the um, – not the curtains over it, but, you know, the, the, the material just to cover up the seats to not make it look so empty. The Rice canvas, a, yeah. The canvas, thank you. It's a tiny Rice school. It's a, a so small. Uh, it's got one of the smallest enrollments of anybody in the FBS and very good academically. So they do not – Rice can't just go pluck some kid out of the portal, um, you know, who can't spell cat. That They don't roll that way over at Rice. Like, you're going to have to – those kids actually go to class. They actually learn something. Different deal. So it, it they, they don't it, – it's so hard to win there. Speaking of Ken Hatfield, I believe he coached at Rice. Um, it's it's one of the hardest jobs. I'm I'm right there with you. Maybe the most difficult job in, in FBS college football. So the fact I, I that they're a, winning and competing is true. These between them and New Mexico State. Yeah, how it was cruises. You know, I mean, I, I I used to you know UNLV is a bad job, Mike, and I used but I used to think I, I at least think it has potential because it's in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Now they play at an NFL stadium, which compared to where they used to play. I mean, they play in a freaking spaceship, yeah. you know, right there on the strip. Uh, and Barry Odom's six and two there this year, by the way, yeah, the yeah. runner rebels, they lost to Fresno this past weekend, but they're six and two. Uh, it's a hats off to them as well. All right. So don't look now. The mighty corn huskers of Matt rule have won three in a row, dude. They're going bowling. Uh-oh. Looking, my guy Marcus Satterfield has uh, done done a little better on offense after the open date, like he did at South Carolina, uh, and uh, and they're they're getting there. So uh, you know, Matt Rule is a my, my opinions about his offensive coordinator side. He's a winner. Um, I think when we looked at the schedule in the summer, and we we did do a slight breakdown on it. You know, we thought I think you and I both agreed they're open. Their their first few games were tough. Uh, you know, opening with Michigan, but now they've beaten Illinois, they beat Northwestern, primarily defensive there. Then they beat Purdue 31 14. None of those teams are what I'd call great, although Northwestern had a pretty good win this weekend. Um, you know, it's at Michigan State, it's Maryland at home, it's at Wisconsin, and it's Iowa. Hey, could we, could, could we see a resurgence of Big Red? And uh, despite the, the, the poor start right here in year one in Lincoln. Hey, if so, I'm here for it. I'd love to see Nebraska be relevant again. Um, they are a, a classic case of what I've talked about before. You know, again, they were on top, and you don't have to go back 50 years to find out when they were on top of the mountain. It's the 1990s, folks. I mean, that's not that long ago. <laughs> you, you Gen Zers, you uh, you're proficient at Google. Look it up. They were dominating in the 1990s. Three titles in four years. Three titles in four years. And um, they were getting kids from all over the country. You know, Tommy Frazier from Bradenton, Florida. Lawrence Phillips was a California kid, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they were just – they were on the map. And for whatever reason, it hadn't it hadn't worked out that way. And they packed the stadium, and they, they got the longest streak of sellouts. And, you know, I think um, people just look at it it's got to be the hardest thing in the world to be a Nebraska fan and just look at it and go, are we seriously never going to be good again? Like, we, is this really what's happening? Uh, I used to say if Scott Frost couldn't get it done, nobody could get it done. Now I'm, I'm, I'm amending my report. If Scott Frost and Matt Rule can't get it done, because I think those were both the logical hires, then I'm convinced Nebraska will never be good again. Well, I, 
No doubt. I mean, they could win the division. All right, so they, they don't have the tiebreaker with Minnesota, but there's four teams tied at three and two, three and two in the West, uh, and they still have Wisconsin to play and Iowa to play. So they could they could get there, man. I mean, it's yeah. not uh, you talk about a path of least resistance. This is not you know uh, they they don't have a Michigan or Ohio State on the schedule. It's 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 right. at it's at Michigan State dumpster fire. Uh, it's Maryland at home. Maryland's fallen way down, uh, and they're, they're, yeah, Maryland lost Northwestern this week. Uh, it's at Wisconsin. That's not going to be easy. It never is. And then the uh, seven to three or seven to six bowl is what I'll call it against Iowa uh, the, on Black Friday. So we could be talking about a Big Ten West championship here for Matt Rule uh, in year one. So hats off to those guys and that great fan base out there. And then the final one, speaking of resurgent guys from the Midwest, Matt Campbell, 4-1 in the Big 12. What say you? Yeah, look, we we almost forgot about Iowa State, right? I mean, it, we just kind of looked at it like Matt Campbell had his window where not only could he have almost any college job, uh, but there were NFL teams knocking on the door, and he said, nope, I'm good here in Ames. Uh, you know, six, seven million dollars goes a long way in Ames, Iowa, and it does. I can tell you mm-hmm. from experience, not the six, seven million dollars, but I think I had 60 in my pocket a couple of those weekends in Ames, and it went really far. I mean, I, JC, there's a, a bowling alley with a great ice cream bar. I mean, that's only going to cost you like 1250. I mean, I'm still rolling around. I'm like, I'm just a baller when it comes to per diem in, in Ames, Iowa. So I can only imagine what. Coach Campbell has uh, been doing probably installed a, a lovely pool and hot tub, a little, little canopy maybe, maybe uh, a big grill. But, yeah, oh shoot, <laughs> you know, you know he's got the best grill on the block. And smoker and all that good stuff. Yeah. Everything, green eggs and Traegers <laughs> all over the place. He just picks which ones he he wants, and then he <laughs> then he uh, takes that bonus money, goes to the local chilies and. I mean, he's not sweating the extra, the extra <laughs> sauce for the baby back ribs. Is that going to be a surcharge of two fifty? I don't care. I'm, I'm Matt Campbell. It's Ames, Iowa. I know. I'm, I'll keep paying it. I know guac is extra. Yeah, I know guac is extra. Go ahead, ring it up, ring it up, and twenty percent tip. No, 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 no. Try forty. That's how I roll. That's how I roll here in Ames. Um, in all seriousness, some of the best fans in college football with that program. Yeah, I think it's great. Look, the Big 12 is crazy right now. Do you realize, how about the job Mike Gundy's doing at Oklahoma State? And they're not beating people the traditional ways of throwing it and, you know, having really good quarterbacks. They're just, they're grounding and pounding. They're gashing people right now in Stillwater. They could win Bedlam. They could win the final Bedlam and beat Oklahoma. There's a lot of weirdness in the Big 12 this year. Mike Gundy's one of the best coaches in the country, and I like the way he can rebound. You know, his team's... Look, dude, they got beat by South Alabama at home 33-7 to earlier yeah. this year. Which, by the way, you're looking for a rising star in coaching Kane Womack at South Alabama. Uh, you know, I would give his D coordinator a lot of credit, but he's a new guy, and they've been salty. on. It's hard to be good on defense in that league, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I'm assuming Kane, who, by the way, was at Indiana with Kalen DeBoer and, and all that crowd when they were winning. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator. Uh, son of Dave Womack, who used to be a Gamecock assistant, Arkansas, long-time Arkansas assistant, uh, D.C. at Ole Miss under freeze. Uh, so it's a coaching family, but they've done really well. But Mike, back to Mike Gundy. I mean, he he's a guy that, you know, he, he, he is. He is one of the better coaches in the country. If you look at his record, uh, he's lasted at his alma mater a long time. He's taken them to kind of – 
not they've been knocking they've knocked on the door a couple of years. Uh, you know, and his record is outstanding. So never bet against him. And you know, you're right. The the Big Twelve now all of a sudden, especially with that Oklahoma loss, you're kind of looking at it and going, all right, you know, what what's gonna happen here? So uh that uh, that could get interesting here as we move towards the championship game. It's been truly zany, uh that league. And one thing I will say about when Oklahoma and Texas leave, that will be probably year by year the most unpredictable power conference in college football. And, and, and not because not because it's a bunch of bad teams trying to win, because it's a bunch of pretty good programs that are all trying to win and all they've got plenty of resources down there. I mean, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and remember, remember old T Boone? I'll tell you yeah. a funny story real quick. My first Oklahoma State game when I was with Fox, I go there and uh, we, we go to interview uh, Gundy and sit back and sit down in his room and coach's room and talk to the coordinators and players, et cetera, et cetera. As I'm walking through, they're having the regular press conference with the, 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 the media. This is the only time I've ever seen this. So the regular press conference is scheduled to have players and coaches uh, talk to the media. T. Boone Pickens was one of the regular people. It's kind of like Jerry Jones with the Cowboys. Like, they reserved time for T. Boone to go ahead and speak on behalf of Oklahoma State football. When you give that kind of money to your school, (laughs) you can demand a press conference, and you get a microphone, and people show up and ask questions. Beautiful thing. Talk about not caring if guac is extra. That man did not. Of course, these guys sadly passed away, but they still have that money. Uh, Yes. And uh, they've got – They've got Oklahoma State, and that and that's a program to kind of circle when you're talking about the Big Twelve moving forward. Who is going to ascend? Who is going to be that dominant program? Uh, and, and and you know we've talked about it, Mike. Difference between team, program, job, right? All those jobs in the Big Twelve are essentially they they've all got strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've all got the P word potential. Uh, so that's one. Uh, and then all the programs are sort of at the point. I mean, you know, Baylor's struggling this year, but, hey, they're two years removed from winning it. Uh, Kansas is on the rise. K-State. Uh, the Arizona schools are playing well. Utah is Utah. BYU is BYU. Cincinnati, UCF. I mean, they've all got things going for them. So that is, that's going to be one of the interesting storylines as we move forward here, I think, is who's coming out of the Big 12, and it, or is it just going to be a lot of fun every single year to figure out who's who makes it out of that conference. I, I think it's going to be the latter. I think like it, it, that's one of those leagues where it could be five different champions in five different years. Um, and, and, look, I'm here for it. I, I love the unpredictability of it. And like UCF, who, who almost beat Oklahoma the week before, they lose another one. They're, they're winless mm. in the league. Uh, UCF, I promise you, yeah. I mean, with Gus and the recruit, they're going to be a factor in that league. They just happen to have one of their worst teams, and they're losing a lot of close games. Over there, and, and Cincinnati, I think, will be back to relevance. Uh, and, and BYU is always a tough out. Houston's, Houston's a, a, a they're a weird one to figure because they've got the recruiting right there in the city, but um, it's kind of a commuter school. Oh yeah, something something that I learned going there. I, I uh, being there, I didn't realize that until I actually covered them, and uh, they don't. It's just a different animal than than all the other Texas programs, if you will. Uh, Texas Tech was another one to watch, and then oh, yeah. uh, and then uh, historically, the program that's won the most games in the history of college football in that league now is West Virginia. Yeah, and Neil <laughs> on top Brown, of everything, I, I guess he saved his job. I think 
I don't, I don't know what they're saying over there in Morgantown these days, but um, they've certainly surpassed expectations this year. Sure. Right. So I, I think he's okay. I, I think that was big for them to win at UCF. I do. I think. Yeah. And I, I'll be honest. I didn't expect it. I thought UCF would get the win, but they did mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Uh, before we go to break, I'll, I'll mention one other of my favorite stories to, uh, if I can make an addendum to the JC six, James Madison, the Dukes knock off old dominion, 30 to 27, still undefeated to quote uh, the manager in the sequel for bad news bears. Let them play. Let them play. Get, wait, get rid of your stupid rule. Give them a waiver and let them play in a bowl game and let them play in a conference championship game. This is what America wants. They want more JMU in the postseason. And I've, uh, Completely there with you. I've stated my case. All right, that is another winning installment of the JC5. When we come back, we'll go around the SEC. also have the boss, top performers in college football for week number nine. Back in just a couple. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Hey, folks, want to tell you about our friends at Titan Construction Group really quick. They're a mid-Atlantic-based general contractor, specializes in retail, restaurant, and office construction. TCG strives to separate itself from other general contractors by adding value every step of the process. From project budgeting to estimation, value engineering to construction, they focus on those relationships and not the transaction. Titan builds partnerships one project at a time. Among their clients are Starbucks, Crumble Cookie, uh, Blake Pizza, Home Goods, 15 plus years experience based in Midlothian, Virginia, and contracted in Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So get on their website, Titan cginc.com that's titancginc.com get in touch with brad if you're in need of a general contractor that focuses on going above and beyond for their clients that's titan construction group a proud sponsor of the jc and morgan podcast south carolinians this message is for you as well as for people in georgia florida and tennessee If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured. They provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you'll want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. 
play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. We all know the injuries, but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, JCandMorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals. All right, back with you on another installment of J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan, J.C. Morgan, and our uh, fearless producer behind the glass, Mad Dog, Phil Molinax, who did uh, confirm for me that Super Bowl at Rice Stadium, Super Bowl Eight. I think that was Vikings-Steelers, but uh, or, or is that the Dolphins? Anyway, pretty sure that was one of the, the L's for Tarkenton and Bud Grant and those uh, great Viking teams. Um, as we go around the SEC... I want to remind everybody uh, our <clears throat> week of week in review in the SEC presented by Elite Roofing and Restoration. Jeremy and Johnson and company can help you with all your roofing needs. Now, those of you that are listening to us in Georgia, he's got you covered. In Florida, he's got you covered. In South Carolina, he's got you covered. Uh, either way, you can uh, go to the website, Elite Roofing and Restoration, either GASCFL.com. Uh, just, just Google Elite Roofing if you forget that. You can also email Elite Roofing and Restoration at gmail.com for construction, for repairs, what have you. They handle it all. And, of course, you can schedule a free, F-R-E-E, free inspection. Uh, I've used them over the years for any roofing needs. 25 years of experience. You will not find better people than, to work with on this than Elite Roofing and Restoration. Uh, around the SEC, we talked a lot about the Georgia-Florida game at the very, very top. Georgia 43, Florida 20. You can make the argument the game wasn't even that close. Georgia's just at a different level. JC, that keyboard, that keyboard, keyboard. I know, it's good, man. Sorry, I'm Key, dealing with idiots. Five-yard five penalty, repeat first down. Sorry, um, I apologize. It's okay. It happens, it happens. So, again, if you watch this game, this was just a reminder, um, and I know – like listening a little bit this morning, I try to listen to like various uh, shows with people that we know we've had on this show before, like a Shane Matthews of Florida does a good job with his pot up show in the mornings or Jeff Dantzler of, of Georgia who does a, a 12 to one show or 12 to two show each and every day, which eventually uh, will be part of the chief sports network. Um, but if you watch this game was one in recruiting over a period of years. So you, you People are blasting Billy Napier. They're saying we need to hire an offensive coordinator. As Shane pointed out, well, you probably would have gone after Garrett Riley like everybody else did, and you see what he's not doing at Clemson right now. So I don't know if that's the answer. Uh, questioning a fourth down and one call where he got a little too cute and didn't didn't work out. How do you let a, a punt get blocked in a game of that magnitude? Well, stuff happens. Georgia's just that good. I mean, uh, like the reason we don't talk a ton of Georgia on this podcast is because it's boring because they're just they're just dominating. 
Uh, Kirby's got a chance, and Georgia's got a chance to break the all-time consecutive wins of Bear Bryant in Alabama, which I believe is 28. Um, they just If you take away the second and 26 that they allowed inexcusably, they could be sitting on three national titles in eight years under Kirby Smart. Uh, they're 8-0. They're 5-0 and in the league. They lose Stetson Bennett, no biggie. They just plug in Carson Beck, who, by the way, was a Florida commit. And then Florida said, no, we're going to get Anthony Richardson. And Carson said, well, the hell with that. I'm not sitting behind him. I'll, I'll go to Georgia and become a Georgia fan. And now he's a Georgia fan for life, and he's playing like a Heisman Trophy candidate, J.C. Carson Beck was terrific once again. And I'll throw one other name out there. And I know you're, you're not as knee-deep in the recruiting game as you used to be, but you can appreciate these kind of stories. Lad McConkey was unguardable. And I've had games where he's just like, he's the last guy you think about, and nobody can cover him. Six catches, 135 yards, and a touchdown. Lad McConkey, out of a small uh, high school in Georgia, out of Chatsworth, Georgia, North Murray, he was about 5'11", a buck 60, uh, his senior year in high school. So he didn't have a ton of stars next to his name. Do you know where he was going to go had Georgia not come in late with a scholarship? Because it was like one of those last, well, they got an extra, give it to McConkey. You know where he was going to play his ball at? Kennesaw State, maybe? Very close. I mean, it's that kind of school. It's a UT Chattanooga. He was going to be a fighting moccasin for the boys at UT Chat if Kirby Smart didn't go, yeah, give that kid a scholarly. And right now, you could make the argument he's their best wide receiver. He's certainly the most consistently good when he's healthy. So even when they're not getting five-star kids, they're they're throwing out they're throwing out uh, you know feelers on on guys like McConkey and they work out. Or Stetson Bennett was a walk-on and he works out. And then you combine that with all the five stars everywhere, and Georgia just keeps winning. I saw Jordan Davis play in high school, and I was about as impressed as I uh, I, I am with. Uh, you know, I, I was with the cheeseburgers at that uh, fast food joint from the '80s called Hotten. Now, uh, I seriously was was not very good. <laughs> uh, and, and he was a he was a sophomore, junior offensive lineman, real slow. Uh, didn't look like he knew what he's doing. They take him. He was a three star guy. I think Georgia was his best offer. They turned him into an All American. Yep. And that's special when you can do that. You know, and, and Georgia. If you kind of think about who who is Kirby Smart. Who is Will Muschamp? Who is Mike Bobo? They love stories like that because it's kind of who they were, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Now, Kirby was recruited as a scholarship guy, but an overachiever. Muschamp was a walk-on, an overachiever. Bobo was a pretty highly rated quarterback, but not over the top, started there three years. I mean, and I think that's special when you when you find guys like that. I think that's – we talked about Nebraska earlier. Well, one of the things Tom Osborne did that, that kept that thing rolling was their walk-on program was second to none. And it was mostly in-state right. kids, and they had more walk-ons, Mike, turn into All-Americans than any other program because they take them from Nebraska, this big corn-fed boys, and uh, <laughs> chances are two or three of them be starting on that offensive line just barking at you. Right. You know, by the time they were seniors, you know, get them fed up, live in the weight room, all that good stuff. Uh, and Nebraska had a ton of guys like that. So I, I think that's special. And, you know, that's, that is because we've been living in this Alabama world where Bama doesn't necessarily uh, always, th- their guys are like, they get stars from high school and they become stars there. That's their thing. 
very few three-star guys uh, have come through there, and you go, wow, that guy's really good. Uh, there's been a few, but but uh, mostly you don't see the Latin Lad McConkeys there. But but I think a lot of great programs through the years, those glue guys are just as important as those five stars because no question that that that, that insulates you from getting. Let's say you get two prima donnas out there, four or five star guys at receiver. Well, you're not down two receivers because uh, those guys have bad attitudes and think they're too good to work because you got Lad McConkey there that's making plays and, and playing just as good. Yeah, no, no doubt. But when you got it rolling, you got it rolling. And, and right now, and they're not, I mean, the thing is they're not going anywhere. Like they're, they're, they're Kirby's not going anywhere. I don't think he has aspirations for the NFL. We know he played there. He, he loves it there. Why would you, they're going to match anybody's salary. Like Georgia ain't going to lose a bidding war financially. He pretty much name is, is, Salary is buyout. I mean, it's now reaching Saban type uh, leverage if you're Kirby Smart. So you just you watch. We again, we haven't spoken much about Georgia because it's boring. Because dominating teams that just you know kick aside any what, what there are a lot of people that picked Florida to win that game, including including Dan Mullen on ESPN, former Florida coach, and then Kirby took a little dig at him, and it those two have an interesting. Um, relationship let's call it absolutely a little little spicy uh but i think a lot of people jumped on the i think florida could could win this game or at least keep it close they didn't it's they're not they're not there uh not by a long shot uh ole miss they are there they blow out vandy 33 to 7 juckins is now juckins again i don't know where he it's like he took a sabbatical the first month of the season but he's dominating now they're seven and one they're four and one in the sec uh, they could be the fly in the ointment to use a uh, Tim Brandoism, who we'll have on the show next week. Uh, as the season goes down the stretch, Ole Miss was—I um, I don't know—I thought the beginning of the year they were they were okay. Now they're they're dominating. Like they're really they've they've got it going. Lane is in a rhythm, play calling. Um, they've got a good enough defense. I don't know if I would say it's dominating. It's not like the Hugh Freeze defenses but it's good enough uh, combined with that offense uh a&m beats south carolina 30 to 17 i thought it was a valiant effort jc by the gamecocks i just just oh man they can't block anybody they've got no o-line uh didn't like this matchup for carolina for for about a month now um spencer ratler did something i've never seen in the college football game he had three intentional grounding calls it's not as if he forgot where to throw it to, but he's got people in his face on almost every play and desperate times sometimes call for desperate measures. But A&M is just better at this point, and Carolina's trying to salvage the rest of the year with four straight home games coming up. Yeah, they just got to flush everything and focus on these next four. Uh, you know, Sometimes schedule matters. and I don't think I've ever uh, been through a South Carolina season where we're in November – and they've only played two conference home games at uh, two, at all, two conference home games at all, mm-hmm. uh, and only three overall. I mean, and and really, there's been no Vandy, no Kentucky, no non-con, cream puff, whatever. So, and I'm not trying to throw Kentucky in there with Vandy, but historically, before Stoops got to Kentucky, that would have been, you know, those are the two you count on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they got all four of those games at home. They can still get to a bowl. Uh, I'll say this because it's in our chat box, and, and it's only, only I'm going to acknowledge it right now and just say, Kendall, I, I, you know, Rattler's not playing not to get hurt. 
uh, you know, if you were playing not to get hurt, he'd probably run out of bounds instead of taking the intentional grounding. Should he have? No. But I think he's taking a lot of heat, uh, and he's probably he's the only reason you're even competitive, right? Yeah. Let, let's just let's just get real here about Spencer Rattler. Uh, and if he was playing not to get hurt instead of winning, uh, he would do like every other quarterback would probably do in the same situation that's got his talent level and opt out. But he's not because he's a good good kid and he's a leader and a competitor. And uh, whatever happens on the field, uh, you know, is a is not a function of him. I mean, you know, look, I I get it. Uh, he'd probably like those back. He'd probably like to take the sack, but you know, when you're trying to avoid sacks, you know, and you keep eating it and holding on to it, people are going to yell at you. Why don't you just throw it out of bounds? And it's like Beamer said, <clears throat> you know, there were supposed to be guys there. It, I mean, you know, if you think about it, uh, you know, there's supposed to be guys there. So I I, I think that the the heat on Rattler is just a little bit, a uh, little bit too much, but people are frustrated in Columbia and rightfully so. Uh, the good news is uh, there's four winnable ones coming up. And if you win those, there's still a lot you look back on uh, with this season and say, man, it, it, it stunk to start with, but still a pretty good year. All things considered. I think if you could just reverse the, the Florida score, the 41 39 game, it's exactly where I thought this team would be. Honestly, mm-hmm. that's exactly where I thought they would be. Um, that one still stings, uh, and it also it stings. Look, this is not this is not a program with a tradition, uh, a rich tradition of having elite level quarterbacks. And Spencer Rattler, by college standards, has elite level talent, and I think that has been on display when he's had any time to throw the football <laughs> whatsoever. I mean, so you think in the back of your mind, well, when's the next time we're going to get another Spencer Rattler on campus? You, you hate to just kind of waste that. Uh, yeah, don't, they don't have a Rattler, but they're going to be okay. Uh, 11 offensive linemen have gone down with injury this year. Too. Yeah, which is insane. Uh, oh, God. Uh, Trey Jones got hurt Saturday. And it's like yeah. he's the he's one of the only ones that hasn't been hurt. And you're like, right. can it get – I mean, everybody just want to line up and let somebody whack them in the leg with a board and get it over with? I mean, just want to line – all the linemen, just line up. We're going to whack you in the leg with a board. And, and let's just go and get it over with, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Kentucky. Kentucky loses a tough one at home, 33-27. Another case where a team fought hard in, in Kentucky, um, but they're not at the level that Tennessee is right now. It doesn't matter, though. Mike, it doesn't matter. Meaning, With Kentucky and Tennessee, it doesn't matter if they're the same level. Tennessee owns them. Well, yeah, you're right. Dude, you're right they, they beat have. them every single year. Well, Jeremy Pruitt whipped Mark Stoops's butt. I mean, it, 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 champions of life. I think was four and one. I think champions of life was actually undefeated. Kentucky beat Brady Hoke, right at Tennessee. I, I, I just I, talking about Tennessee people. They they almost laugh. They can't believe it because Kentucky could have, uh, you know, should have theoretically been better through the years. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That that has been their kryptonite. Uh, and again, they played well enough to. They had a they had a fourth down and one and which was very unstoops, like going for it on fourth and short from their own territory. They don't get it. Leary actually played good football. That's the mm-hmm. best I've seen Leary play all year because, quite honestly, he's been a disappointment. But he played good football. Uh, they just didn't play good enough to win. You know, it was a fourth-quarter game, and Tennessee was better down the stretch. Congratulations to Hugh Freeze and Auburn. Hugh's got his first SEC win at the helm of the Auburn program. Uh, they knock off Mississippi State 27-13. to um, not much to say about that game. I, go ahead. I, no, no, I was. I thought Mississippi State had a little more fight in them. Yeah, 
I thought Auburn would win, but I thought I thought Mississippi. I thought it'd be like a field goal game. But like you said, hats off to Hugh Freeze. They're setting themselves up for a good finish. They could they could be seven and four going into the Iron Bowl. Auburn could. Yeah, and I, I, again, I'm there. There there is not an ounce of confidence lost for me on Hugh Freeze uh, as the guy for Auburn. They just they don't have the horses. I mean, they don't have the quarterback mm. play, and they're. Um, but given time, uh, I have no doubt that uh, they're going to be just fine there. So quickly here, the slate this Saturday, you've got two blockbusters on, on paper anyway. Missouri at Georgia. Georgia's a 16-point favorite now in that game. These are kind of like de facto playoff games. As if Missouri does pull off the upset, guess who could be playing in Atlanta? Your Missouri Tigers could be playing in Atlanta. And LSU-Alabama – um, I don't think anyone in the country has played better quarterback this year than Jaden Daniels. LSU is getting three points on the road at Bama. That's a CBS doubleheader. That game will be prime time at uh, Bryant-Denny Stadium. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Rarely disappoints that game. Um, some of them have been low scoring, but it rarely disappoints. A&M is at Ole Miss. Arkansas is at Florida. Arkansas, by the way, Arkansas and Vanderbilt are now the only two winless teams in the SEC. Uh, Sam Pittman could really use a win right about now, 0-5 in the league. Gators a six-point favorite in that one. Uh, Auburn is at Vanderbilt. Needless to say, Vanderbilt could use a win. And then you've got UConn, Tennessee, and you got uh, a battle of the Gamecocks. Gamecocks versus Gamecocks. Jacksonville State. Do not sleep on Jacksonville State. They are seven and two, and they are they were a legit FCS power. Now they're uh, in FBS. So I think they're another one that can't play in a bowl game because of a stupid rule. But uh, uh, the Gamecocks are a fourteen point favorite in that. The South Carolina Gamecocks are a fourteen point favorite. That's how Rich Rodriguez can still coach, man. Um, yep. And his offense presents a lot of problems, uh, especially if you have undisciplined linebacker play, which Gamecocks have at times. Sometimes, I mean, this is South Carolina hasn't faced anything schematically like this. Uh, and, and Rich Rod's offense is in vogue for a while, but you know it's obviously you know evolved in different ways through different trees and stuff. But he, he's he's the purest, right? It's like playing Mike Leach air raid. Uh, it can get you. They're not very good on defense, but South South Carolina's got to. They got to. You know, when, when things have gotten really bad, bad, bad at South Carolina, they've dropped one of these: uh, Citadel, uh, App State, stuff like that. Vanderbilt in 07. Um, so don't don't do that. Don't do it. And, and I, I'll put another team on. Don't lose it. Don't do that. Watch, and that's Florida. Don't lose at home to Arkansas. Yeah, because um, dude, you, you do that, and then the Napier talk. It's coming, coming back tenfold. Well, it, it might be coming anyway with LSU and Florida State. So yeah. If you lose to Georgia, as they did, convincing fashion, if you lose to LSU, talking about a program having the other's number, um, whether it's a kid throwing a shoe or whether it's a fourth down conversion or whether whatever, uh, and then Florida State in the swamp, in the swamp, Keon Coleman and company, uh, in the swamp, you you could, that's how you could finish your regular season. 
So, yeah, you better not lose to Arkansas. Don't lose to the Hawks, man. There's plenty of Gamecock fans, uh, excuse me, plenty of Gator fans that already can quote for you the Billy Napier buyout if uh, somehow you lose to Arkansas. Don't lose. Yeah, just, just don't do it. Don't do it. Not a good idea. All right, we come back and tell you what we are going to do. In honor of the Godfather of Soul, we're going to give you the boss. Top performers in college football last weekend. Also, J.C. will lay a verdict down for what should be done in Michigan. He's got the answer. Why? Because I, I just I have confidence that J.C. will tell you exactly what should happen. He doesn't know I was going to put this on him, but I have faith. He'll make sure that resolution uh, will be achieved right after this quick timeout on J.C. and Morgan. Mike here for Elite Roofing and Restoration. Chances are you're a homeowner. You're going to have to have that roof replaced at some point. Could be because of wind or hail damage. Could be because it's just that time the roof is old and you don't want to take any more chances. Go ahead and call Elite Roofing and Restoration. They will take terrific care of you as they have for me over the years. They provide exceptional roofing services. They offer a highly knowledgeable staff on insurance claims for roof repairs and replacements as well as an extensive catalog of materials materials, and colors to ensure your roof looks as good as it performs. So how do you do it? Well, you just start off, you can go to the website, EliteRoofingGA.com. That's EliteRoofingGA.com. Go ahead and fill out the form, get connected with the fine folks at Elite Roofing and Restoration, and they will take care of the rest for you. Elite Roofing and Restoration. Don't settle for second best. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down to Ohio, down to Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And chicken cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you'll want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world-renowned Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. We all know the injuries, but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique, that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, JCandMorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals. Okay, I'm back, and we are back. J.C. and Morgan, time for the boss. Top performers week nine in college football. A couple of these I already mentioned. Carson Beck, Georgia. 
in Jacksonville. 19-28, 315, couple touchdowns, zero mistakes, which is often a way to win that uh, game. Carson Beck now, I think, might start getting a little Heisman attention. Uh, he's not going to have the numbers of a, a Penix or some of the other guys out there, but uh, if you look the second half of that Auburn game on, Carson Beck is playing as good a football as any quarterback in the country. And he really is. So congratulations to Carson Beck. Jalen Wright, running back Tennessee, uh, 11 carries, 120 yards, averaged 11 yards per carry, had a touchdown as well. Uh, Tennessee is a tough team to stop on the ground. They really are, and they just gashed Kentucky, which normally uh, has a pretty salty defense, but not salty enough. Travion Henderson, you want to know who's a different team when they've got a healthy Travion Henderson, Ohio State, 24 for a buck 62. And a touchdown, another four catches as well. He's a player. I mean, he really is. Um, we talk so much about their wide receivers in Columbus, but they got a really good running back as well. I'm throwing a fullback out there for the first time this year on the boss. Remember when the fullback was actually a position we're talking about in football? Oh, yeah. Makai Hughes. Who you say, Mike? I'll tell you who. Makai Hughes is the fullback for the 7-1 and one 4-0 in conference play, two-lane green wave. The big bowling ball was 23 for 153 yards and a score. Seven yards a carry. Makai Hughes, the freshman for two-lane. Again, the green wave could find themselves in New Year's Six Bowl if they keep doing what they're doing. Reggie Brown, they're not going to be in a bowl game, but Reggie Brown of James Madison, senior wideout, he was great again. Nine catches, 142 Yards and a couple of scores. Haynes King of Georgia Tech. We talked Georgia Tech earlier. Remember Haynes King when he was the hopeful for the Aggies job, bounced around, and now he's down on the flats. Hey, look, they're 4-4. Four and four. They did lose to Bowling Green, but they're respectable, and he's a big reason why. In the old days, you wouldn't have the portal, and you'd have to find some kid in recruiting, and Georgia Tech doesn't recruit quarterbacks well. Uh, 23 for 30, 287, four touchdowns, one pick. Haynes King, Haynes King was boss-like. Sophomore running back, Ollie Gordon. Oklahoma State, that's who Ollie Gordon plays for. Yeah, they're 6-2, and two, I said it. He's already got 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns in this game. Again, I mentioned they don't, they don't just throw it all over the yard anymore. Mike Gundy's team can run. They can play smash mouth, 25 carries, 271 yards, and two touchdowns. How about them apples? Mm. Oh, I got two fullbacks for you, JC. I'm going fullback wow. heavy. That's Double right. fullback, huh? Double fullback on the boss. Uh, they said it couldn't be done. I said, no, you're wrong. I will go two fullbacks. Air Forces, Emmanuel mm. Michelle, a five foot ten, two hundred and ten bowling ball. Uh, he ran all over. Uh, I just forgot who Air Force plate. <laughs> oh, is it our, uh, it was Navy. No. No, no, it wasn't a commander-in-chief game. Uh, look that up for me if you can while I give his stat line. 20 play. carries, 130 yards, 6.5 per carry, a touchdown and a long of 53. Hey, look at that. New, New Year's 6. Yeah, they were at Colorado State. You mentioned Colorado New Year's 6. Snowball violation on the Colorado State uh, fan base in that game. Yeah, I mean, they got Army at Hawaii, UNLV at Boise. At Boise is going to be tough. Yeah. But they finish out and win the Mountain West, Mike? They could get that uh, that illust, uh, elusive 
New Year's Six bull bid. What a great story that would be. And, and, and in the new 12-team playoff, they would be the number 12 seed. And, yeah, I would not want to have to play Air Force Heck in the 12 no. team. Any of those service academies, man, keep Heck those no. keep those jokers, uh, you know, because that because of all the teams out there that are going to be in that 12 seed versus the, the, the underdogs, those guys actually have a chance. Because yeah. if you get caught with your pants down against a triple option team, not only are they going to score on you, they're going to keep your defense, their offense off the field. That's a still. It's still an equalizer in college football. Still an equalizer. Nobody wants to. No, no defensive player the week of a major bowl game wants to hear. All right, guys, we're working on triple option. Let's go. Let's go. Let's break down the film. Let's come on. Assignment football. I said assignment football. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that nonsense because <laughs> you don't do it all year long, and then poof, there it is. Uh, the fine. The final one I mentioned already, uh, Jetfish in Arizona and the Arizona defense as well. Uh, they knock off Oregon State 27-24. Zona is now 5-3 and 3-2 three and three and in the pack. I don't, in the pack, I don't think anybody mm. saw that coming. And that is oh, the godfather of soul bringing us in. All right, JC, as we wrap things up. You have talked to many legal analysts. I know you're tight and tight with uh, Indianapolis and the NCAA. What should, what will happen with Michigan football and the sign-stealing scandal of a lifetime? It's a tough call for me. By the way, I saw the Big Ten offices on uh, Friday night. Uh, yeah. I was going out to dinner up in Rosemont. It's right beside a lovely Foga de Chow. Mm. <laughs> you wouldn't think of it, uh, as that's where the that's where the that's where the that's where they cook the cook the food there. That's where they prep it all. All you can Ten. eat Brazilian steakhouse. It's hard. <laughs> I did that in Minneapolis a couple tell years you ago what, for the man. first time. I thought I was going to explode. I will not, tear it up. Yeah, <laughs> I will not tear it up. Cheated. I don't even. I I don't even go to the salad bar. I just I just like bring me the meat. So. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, look, it's it's a very tough call because it's like you, you sort of feel for the kids in the program, and and if Jim Harbaugh didn't know, you sort of feel for him. Uh, and the success they've had. But, but here's the bottom line. This is what the NCAA is supposed to do. You have to remove them from the playoffs. Uh, if if And look, I don't have all the details in front of me, uh, but on the surface it looks like they've got them dead to right doing this. You, you cannot let a team – like it's a different story when the NCAA spins the wheel of punishment and lands on whatever non-blue blood. Oh, no, 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 wait a minute, that's Alabama. Spin again. And they go in and they're like, all right, we're going to, we're mad because we know this team's cheating. So we're going to, we're going to make send torpedo Ole Miss into oblivion. Right. That's right. <laughs> this is different than when they do that. This is something that every school to a certain extent, you know, lives in the gray area on. This goes to the heart of strategic advantage and you just can't do it. It's not against the rules to steal signals. But you've got to be able to do it by looking at the film that you get from the other coaching staffs, by looking at the game on TV, and by looking at the game in game. And you just you just cannot have paid staffers going out and filming the other team. Now, could other schools have a secret way that they do it? Maybe, but you can't. I mean, you but you got caught, and man, that is that is cheating. Everybody talks about, oh, it's cheating to buy players. Of course, nowadays it's not. 
the, the cheating is this. This is like the, this is like Deflate Gate, uh, probably worse. You know, this goes to the competitive. You know, the 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 rules, and um, you know, I don't care what Harbor I did during COVID because I know of a lot of coaches that were doing exactly what he did. Right? They just got busted. Right? But this, you know, this is cheating, and I, I just don't think you can. I, I don't think you can let it slide if you're the NCAA. That's probably as uh, an in- intelligent assessment of the situation I've heard yet. I don't think they're going to do anything. I honestly, <laughs> well, let me let me rephrase that. I don't think they're going to do anything that will affect Michigan's ability to compete for a playoff and a national championship. There's an infamous quote, and I can't remember who said it. Uh, it was a basketball coach years ago. And he said, the NCAA got so mad at UNLV and Jerry Tarkanian cheating that they put Cleveland State on probation. <laughs> and that's kind of the way that, that racket has run. If this was a 6-6 six and six Michigan team, I have no doubt you, they would be ready to drop the hammer and make a, make a point out of this. But I just can't, I can't see a scenario where they are going to tell Michigan that you are not eligible to play in the college football playoff. I just can't see it. I cannot – I don't think that they have that gumption, the bite uh, to do it. And quite honestly, just as a fan, I, a playoff without – this is if Michigan wins now. This is if Michigan beats Ohio State. This is if Michigan earns their way to a playoff. I, I don't the, – the playoff would be incomplete if you didn't have Michigan in it. It, it it would it would feel a little bit hollow, uh, it would, it, you know. I, just just I, my opinion. I'm with you because I, I think there's an argument for you know even matching this year's Michigan team up with Georgia, not two years ago Michigan, but this year's Michigan. Mm-hmm. They match up well physically and athletically. Um, I didn't think that was the case two years ago. I thought Michigan physically was there, but they just weren't as fast as the dogs. They still may not be, but man, oh man, uh, I'm with you on that completely, Mike. As a fan of the game, it would not be good. But you cannot – But because well, now everybody's going to be like, all right, well, we're going to now go do the same thing. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be stupid and let leave our Venmo on unprivate. <laughs> <laughs> and, shit, we're, and we're not going to put a guy in charge that, that wrote a manifesto, right? And uh, yeah, Sports Talk here in Chicago made a good point. I, made it, I think I made it last week. When is anybody who ever wrote a manifesto – been up to good That's in right. the history of the world. If you have a manifesto, chances are you're not up to good. You know, you're, that's never a positive thing. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, honestly, I, I, I hate it for their fans. I hate it for fans of college football. But if, if you don't, if you don't do something right and, and, and look, maybe there's some evidence then they go, well, this guy with the manifesto was just acting on his own and then, the staff, the coaching staff never got any information and all that. Fine. If you can prove that, great. Leave them in. This guy should never work college football again. But, man, oh, man, if, if it was known and they were using that info, I, you know, you, you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You just – you can't – it's the integrity of the game. Uh, I, you I know. get it. I and, understand. I mean, because that, I think they do. it's going to open it up where everybody else – everybody else will do it secretly now, you know. Yeah, I mean, particularly the schools that can afford to 
I mean, this is not a cheap operation either. I mean, you, you, you got to buy plane tickets. You got to have travel. You got to, and you know, we know he wasn't out of pocket for this. He got, he got, yeah. he got reimbursed for all of it for sure. Um, I think what they do is they let it play out. And then after the fact, they, they do the best they can to, you know, scholarship reduction, harbaugh, pay a fine. Well, you can't. The, the whole vacating. Don't even please don't come with the vacating win. It's just the stupidest thing. Um, you can't change history. We all saw the wins that happened. I, I hate when they. There's nothing worse than when the NCAA thinks that they're accomplishing something by vacating wins. The wins are the wins. You can't take that genie and stuff it back in the in the bottle. But what you can do is levy an extreme fine. You could take away some scholarships. Uh, hell, you could suspend Jim Harbaugh again. He's already been suspended for three games this year. Maybe he gets suspended for five next year. Maybe it's just like a, a running gag. Like, what, what, what scheme will Harbaugh come up with next to earn himself a suspension? Um, but I think he's going to be on the sidelines for the rest of the year, and I think Michigan's going to be playing for the rest of the year. And I think they're going to be eligible for everything. I just I think it's their worst nightmare to have this happen to a team and a program that's having one of the best seasons they've ever had. Just it it, it they don't know what to do. And that program too. It is a huge behemoth. it's a behemoth. huge brand, national following to a certain extent. It's it's Michigan. I yeah. mean, it's one of their darlings because they're always Oh, Michigan's so good with academics and all that. You know, oh. they they haven't really gotten into trouble through the years. They had the one mm-hmm. issues with with Rich Rod, I think, for a little while. But it's been Michigan's been their darling, you know. And to ooh, to have this happen to them right now, that's that's got to be tough. That's I don't I don't envy those folks. But at the same time, I I feel like he, with the way the NCAA is going toward it's trucking towards irrelevance. Um, you don't do anything. It's going to be another feather in the calf for all those people that just want to disband the NCAA well, and, and the move forward. Thing. You know, if, if you take away, and I'll tell you who who else doesn't want anything to happen is the Big Ten office. They don't want it. They they they, they they have. It's been a long time since the Big Ten has had this kind of relevance. And I realize mm-hmm. it's a top heavy league and, but nobody cares. I mean, people look at leagues from the top down. They don't look at them from the bottom up and from the top down, you got two heavyweights and one of them is Michigan. And they're one of the most intriguing programs with one of the most fascinating coaches, whether you love them or hate them and Jim Harbaugh, they don't want Michigan being knocked out because of this. Mm-hmm. And if for some reason, the NCAA had a wild hair and said, you know what? People are questioning our manhood on this. They're questioning how tough we are. They're questioning, can we really be – they're calling us hypocrites, and they're saying we won't do what, what should be done by the letter of the law. I promise you that Michigan and the Big Ten will start doing what has been intimated and hinted at by other leagues in similar situations, and they'll just say, the hell with you. We're not, we're not a part of the NCAA anymore. You guys can go over here, and we're going to find our own, our own deal. It's I, like – Truly believe that. You're sitting in the office of the Big Ten. You get a company wide email. Emergency meeting tonight at Foga to Chow. <laughs> bring your topic NCAA membership. <laughs> bring bring a loved one and a bib. And, and a bib. We need to hammer this out because 
this is not good for us. You you may resent the fact. Um, and by the way, isn't it telling that I think I think he did this for against every opponent except Rutgers. Uh, that one is like, you, no, you sit this one out. You don't need to go to Piscataway. We we got that okay. We got that covered. Mm. Um, but but no, I I think when you start thinking big picture wise, as much as everybody wants to beat everybody within their own league. Uh, the people that know what's best for the league as a whole, and therefore that trickles down to each program, is Michigan playing in this playoff. Again, if they, they're, they're not even guaranteed to get there yet, but I'm just saying if they do, if they beat Ohio State a third year in a row, I'd be shocked. I'd be floored if all of a sudden they get a memo and it says they can't play. And technically the Big Ten commissioner, I mean, they have a real one now, he could come in and just say, uh, this, this, this is under my jurisdi- jurisdiction. We are suspending Michigan. We are dropping the hammer here. Uh, I mean, hell, most of the teams he did this against were other Big Ten opponents. Then, of course, he did it against Georgia and did it against other teams that were going to play in the playoff. Um, didn't really help a whole lot in the game against Georgia, as we all know. But he could do this. Petiti could do this. Do you really think that he wants that to be the first major thing he's done as commissioner of the Big Ten? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's kind of one of those, look, you know, we all make mistakes. And uh, uh, go ahead and, you know, write a term paper on why you think this was wrong and you'll never do it again, and we'll move on. We'll see. I think it's a fascinating story. It is not a nothing burger. It is not a nothing burger. Uh, and you're right. They have it dead to right with the facts, but I just don't think much will happen. And on that note, program impropriety and poor sportsmanship, we, we bid farewell for another installment of JC and Morgan. Our thanks again to our producer, Phil Molinax, the mad dog keeping us technically sound, and, of course, all of you that tune in each and every week on the various, various video and audio platforms. Another reminder, jcandmorgan.com. Our thanks again to all our great sponsors, including Elite Roofing and Restoration. You see that phone number on the bottom of your screen if you need a free estimate on your roof. JC, we'll see you next week. And for everybody else, thanks so much for tuning in. So long for now. We'll see you next time on JC and Morgan.